Welcome to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. This is a podcast designed to help you live your life enthusiastically today, tomorrow, and every other day. I am your host, Ron Kaiser. I'm a positive health psychologist and also author of the award-winning and best-selling book, Rejuvenating the Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm. My website is The Mental Health Gym. It's your source of all kinds of information about positive psychology, goal-achieving psychology, which is my spin on positive psychology, rejuvenating, and all kinds of wellness-oriented information. Always happy to have you visit the website and to even suggest guests for this podcast. As longtime podcast listeners know, our podcast is devoted to wellness and bringing you interesting and informative guests who lead their lives enthusiastically and have information to provide to us as to how we can be the best version of ourselves by positive orientation, enthusiasm, and more than that, building in certain kinds of wellness habits that enable us to grow and flourish throughout the lifespan. If you were one of the really early listeners to the podcast, you may recall listening to James Owen Roberts, who was an early guest, one who was really well-received and brought a particular orientation that's really unique. Also has a bit of a unique accent. You'll notice that James comes from across the pond and is one of our few international guests so far. So anyway, in Introducing him, let me tell you that James is an entrepreneur, podcast host, and international speaker with over 15 years of experience in exercise, diet, and mindset as both a coach, two-time Paralympic athlete, and alum of both Swansea University and the University of Chester. In addition to running James Owen Roberts Coaching, he also serves as consultant for Wheelchair Rugby League of Ireland. So, James, it's a pleasure to see you and welcome you back to Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser. It's so nice to have you back. Oh, it's my pleasure, and thanks again for asking me to come back on. It's uh, a very impressive resume that I introduced you with, but it's kind of interesting when you sent me the information for the introduction. Nothing in there suggests that there's anything about a handicap or some physical impairment. And I really don't think of you in those terms, but I think it's hard to get started without giving the whole story of who you are and what you've overcome. So don't want to spend tons of time on this because I know that you don't think of yourself in that way, but I wonder if you could give us a bit of a rundown on your background and what things you've overcome to get to this really achievement-oriented lifestyle. I think I allude to the disability, and, and I think like you say, rightly, rightly so, because it's only one aspect of me, and I don't want people to, you know, put me in one box because I don't think I fit into any box. But in terms of like a long story short, I come from a long list of family that have served in the military so I think it was only natural that I found my calling in sport because it was one way of me to be able to represent my country 
on the highest stage. And I think obviously the not seeing my disability as an adverse probably comes from my grandparents because of their resiliency of living through an atrocity in itself, you know, for six years of World War II. I think that resiliency has filtered its way and filtrated its way down to me in terms of, okay, I'm not going to sit here and moan or or cry about my disability because ultimately we're 34 years on, I still live with it. And ultimately I can't whittle away and sit in self-pity because I'm not going to be the only person that's having to deal with the same impairment around the globe. So for me, I think it's probably a blessing in disguise because it gets me, you know, on those troubling times that we're living in to kind of take retrospect and kind of take a step back in terms of, okay, the world we're living in at present is hard. It's challenging. But you did, you've been doing that since before the the beginning of 2020. So I think when people obviously hear my story, I think it's for you as well to take note of that as to take a step back. Yes, we didn't expect 2020 to be so difficult as it is. But as somebody messaged me on Instagram today, we all face our challenges, and I've still not answered him back, and I need to do that. Is I think people don't view challenges in, in a certain way. They view them as probably hardships or adversities, not challenges to make them better. So ultimately, why do we have this obsession with you know the other side of challenges, like people putting on things to improve somebody else, but you should be doing that on a daily basis if you went to the extreme, but on a weekly basis anyway, to push the boundaries of what you think you are capable of, both physically and mentally. Yeah, it's great advice to think in terms of challenges and opportunities as opposed to problems, you know, disabilities, negative kinds of thoughts. Just before we leave that topic altogether, can you just, again, I don't want to belabor it, but just what is the nature of your disability? Mine is a birth defect, so it's the acronym for it is PFFD. Can't remember what it stands for, but to put it into layman's terms, I do not have my femur bones or the top half of my portion of my leg. I've got a small tibia and fibula, which is in the calf. I don't have a hip socket and don't have a knee joint. I've got scoliosis of the spine. So there's pretty much something wrong with me throughout my body, but I think it enables me to to rise to the challenges. Like, well, okay, if I can be able to push the boundaries physically, I think it's always, it's a good one, I think, as a coach now, because when people with disabilities come to me and say, oh, this is only what, what I think capable of physically, I think where my sport helps, because it's like, that's not true. I've been around people that have, you know, pushed the bow out massively. And when I speak to people that even haven't even meddled, which I'm one of them, we are ultimately at a level above the general populace a little bit. But then we know that there's another level on top of that, but we were ultimately the medalists. So that is my disability in a nutshell. And I was talking to my mom, I think last week, and she said it was my grandmother kind of went doom and gloom when I was first born. I didn't know this until about a few weeks ago. 
And she kind of questioned herself, well, what, what's James going to do? How's he going to survive? How is he going to deal with a wheelchair? But she never showed that to me. She never sh- showed that side of, you know, fear, trepidation of, okay, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only member of my family that's ever had a disability. But she never showed that kind of deep sense of real fear as well. If he does kind of have those struggles, how is he going to get on with life? And I think because I guess family's been a little more positive and being very, you are the five people that you associate with, being very positive. I wasn't wrapped up in cotton wool. If you want to go out and do something risk adverse to challenge the status quo, do it. Ultimately, yes, I was a little bit reserved and took certain precautions to be able to endure and, and be able to maximize that. Thus, you know, the story I told about the, with the jungle gym in primary school, elementary school. Yes, it took me two to three days to be able to accomplish that feat. But once I achieved it, I would probably, well, you're in Philly, so I'll use it. You know, like a rocky moment on top of the steps and I've achieved and accomplished something I never thought I'd be able to do. Mindset is such an important thing. And it sounds like the mindset of the people around you, the people who are closest to you, played a, a really important role early in your life. Now, you've been or are a world-class athlete. What are some of the things that you've accomplished, you know, athletically? How long have we got? <laughs> and I only say that with a, a smirk and a laugh because it took me till the end of my career to actually really comprehend what I'd achieved because I had a a local councillor in our local government kind of say, well, James, can you write down everything that you've ever achieved in sport? When I got finished writing that document, it was about two to three pages long. And I only scratch the surface when I say, you know, I've competed in four world championships, two Paralympics, Europeans, intercontinental championship and a continental championship. So virtually within this space of Paralympic sport or disability sport, the only one that has eluded me today is our Commonwealth Games, which for the Americans is probably the closest resemblance that would be the Pan Am Games. What sports in particular did did I compete in? I started out as a swimmer, transferred over or transitioned to rowing, which I think was probably the most successful tenure of my career, to then going to do volleyball. And up until the pandemic, at a national level, or domestic level, I was competing in wheelchair basketball. So there's I've pretty much done not every sport, but I've tried my hand at multiple sports. And if you'd asked me at 11, when I was really, really sporty and wanted to make that a career, 20-something on years later, you'd have accomplished what you have done. I'd have probably called you crazy. It doesn't sound crazy nowadays. It's something you should be very, very proud of. I'm kind of wondering, though, what kind of went into your decision? Probably wasn't something that you thought of at some moment, but the way that you evolved to kind of, I mean, even today where you're doing training, that physical fitness is such an important part of yourself. In I never wanted to fit in. And why I say that is because I've had family say, oh, you must get a nine-to-five job. And that was being my aunt and my uncle. I was having none of that. 
I kind of said, okay, I'll listen to what you say because that's how I've been brought up, but I'll disregard it because this is not the career or the trajectory that I want. And ultimately, I've seen both sides of the coin because my mum is very wise and, and will say, well, not everybody can do a professional career that they love. And that's probably true. But if you do like your career and your profession it makes the daily grind a little bit more a little bit more fruitful should I say Mm -hmm. so for me it wasn't all sunshine and roses in sport because if I was to say that I'd be a liar because there were dark days there were tough times even in those 10 years but for me I think I wanted to delay the inevitable as long as possible because I think if you take a step back and look at the whole world in which we live in, it's very much a factory system. From the day you go into school to the day you retire is a slog. So I think for me, I like, well, I like the profession. Yes, there's sacrifices that people don't see. I think social media has made that a little bit easier because people can and want to see behind the scenes what does James get on a day-to-day routine I still find that difficult to be able to showcase because that's what I would deem as entertainment somebody else might not so what I mean by that is what I deem to be boring somebody might find that fascinating so it's still trying to grasp that to get my head around well I don't want to showcase everything because I don't want my life to be a soap opera but I think it brings it home to relatability that even though I was in a high-level sport, I'm still a human being at the end of the day. So I think I think the two worlds are starting to collide. I think rightly or wrongly, some aspects that's good because society can learn from sport. But I think where the collision is probably bad for sport is society is getting intermingled with ultimately, you know, around bullying and things like that. So there's like a very fine line between what is pushing someone to greatness and bullying. It's probably a very grayish area in terms of, I think, of, or if I use myself, I had a coach ask teammates, oh, am I pushing James too far? They said, yes, I would say no. I'd say you've pushed me to the limit but I found what I'm capable of doing. If you don't quote unquote bully me, I don't find that true capability physically as to, you know, put red line in it when I need to. And in a sense, it's, it's making me a better person day in, day out physically because I'm improving. That's probably the most positive interpretation of bullying that I've, I've heard in a while. But I'm wondering at this point, what are you up to nowadays, what do you do on a on a daily basis? Mine's a little bit of that's why I had a disagreement with my business coach because he said variety is not the spice of life. Obviously, I disagree because ultimately I've got a little bit of a mixture. I got my pan in in multiple pots, so I think it does bring excitement to the table, even on cold autumnal evenings that are set upon us. I think for me, my day to day, not one day is the same, and I think. That's nice. I think it brings me back to my days in sport. Yes, I knew what was coming, but not one day was the same. Now, ultimately, I'm my own boss as well, so I 
I can dictate where I'm working from. Most of the stuff I can do from my phone. So I can still be in contact with people, creating connections, creating conversations, ultimately, you know, putting things in the diary. I don't have to be always sat in front of a computer screen. So I think for me, in terms of the days, so I actually answer your question, I think there's a bit of a variety and that's what I like. So some days do virtual training with clients. It's very much like yesterday for me when I was working in the gym. They don't like it so much because I think one client likes to call me sadist. Like, well, yes, it's it's nice because I'm not physically doing it to myself. But I think where they see the positive of that is they know they're going to get better by pushing, not the red line because I'm not going to push people to the limit because I've got to be a little bit empathetic and sympathetic of different aspects of their lives of, you know, work stress having an impact on their training, very much probably listening to people like yourselves, sports psychologists, and actually listening to somebody in terms of, you know, how's their body language coming across when they first get on a call. So if it's like, you know, sign straight away, the first thing I'll do is, like, well, what, what's, what's wrong? Whereas maybe years past, I would probably dismiss it and, well, let's get on to training. So I think now I'm probably more... I've probably learned in terms of like picking up on, you know, tonalization of the voice or how people are speaking, body language as best you can on camera and being able to very much approach it, not ad hocly, but being able to change a session you might have prescribed as, okay, I don't think they're capable of doing this today, but we'll talk it through. And then obviously if we need to change it, and go to plan B, that's okay. And what kind of clients seek you out? It's a little bit of a mixture. That's why I've tried to research my marketplace and very much speak to clients and speak to people who come to me in terms of what in particular has been the precursor to you seeking me out. So if we use ultimately that client, speaking about he does have a disability as well. So I think it's the trust element that I already have because... People can relate to me straight away because I'm not afraid to show off my limb in social media. Probably I've been more willing to do that because I've listened. It's like, well, I've looked at all the feedback. Okay, there must be a reason as to why you like this, be it from an empathetic reason, an empowerment statement, and then be able to do that. So I think from a professional standpoint, I I questioned, well, okay, if we take the disability and put it aside, what draws you to me? And what he said most recently was the willingness to tap into the mindset as to, you know, okay, what are your underlying beliefs? What are your limiting beliefs? What is holding you back? And kind of picking at those and kind of saying, well, okay, you feel a certain way, but ultimately there's two sides to every argument. There's the negative, there's the positive. Ultimately, that is a choice. You can put your state of mind into a negative place. Ultimately, 2020, for most people, it has, but you followed the narrative over and over again. You know, you've started to believe this story and kind of, well, not kind of, you have put yourself literally into the book if I use that narrative of, you know, a description of a story. So you need to start to backtrack out of that, which is hard because I've been there, the pit of despair 
most people don't do anything till they hit rock bottom. But ultimately, if you can catch people early enough, it's pretty easy to put yourself on stable ground. And then you can be able to observe, okay, that's a negative feeling or emotion. Do I want to feel like that? I'd like to switch gears for a moment because we've got a substantial population whose lives have gone through a, a major upheaval at this point. You know, we're more than a half year into COVID-19. People are working from home or not working from home or things of this nature. I'm wondering if you could give a few guidelines for, I know people are concerned about getting out of shape, being in a position where they're around too much food, gyms in some places are closed, and some people don't you know, want to risk going there. Can we get just a, a few concrete steps that you're recommending for people to, to try to maintain some semblance of staying in shape during a time when it's you know more difficult than before? I'll say with the rhetoric of the mindset, this is where you're talking about, you know, abundance of food. It's having a more of an awareness of what you're eating and not having this notion of grazing or a tendency to every time you go in the kitchen, you want to have something to eat. It's being mindful of, well, do I really need to eat whatever it is right now? If the answer is no, it might be that you're thirsty and then you go to a different part of the kitchen. But if we come to the exercise component and it's something that I've done as well, because I know the gyms are not the most cleanliest of places long before COVID, but ultimately it's making sure that you, you get up every once in a while, you know, you set an alarm every 30 to 45 minutes, possibly a push an hour. You get up, stretch, just, having that importance of, you know, keeping the body moving in all simple terms. And in terms of where probably I've shifted completely, I've gone from a sport of which a basketball is more out and out speed and, and, and power to the only form of exercise that we could do once upon a time was going outside. So it's having more importance towards having as much exercise outside as i can ultimately it's going to be more and more difficult because you know with the the darkness coming in it it does drain a little bit of your enthusiasm to want to go out when it's windy when it's raining if i go to the extreme of the northeast of the u.s you know if it's snowing it's more difficult to motivate yourself to do that but i think it is probably looking at it under a microscope as what i talked about before of what's the urgency What's the priority? And ultimately, if it, it is to keep in shape, and that's priority number one, it's looking at, well, what is taking me off the path versus what's going to keep me on the path? And writing down if it's journaling, it's note-taking in terms of, you know, do this, don't do that, and kind of collating that information and, and acting upon that. I think it's more of a case by case. And I think it's a better one than me kind of saying, we must do this. I suppose don't do that. That's really good advice. And I guess the key word is priority. If we determine that staying in shape is a priority, whatever we decide will follow that. As always, we tend to run a short on time before we run out of questions. But one thing I do want to mention, because you briefly mentioned a recipe book 
And I'm kind of wondering, while it probably fits the fact that, that you're very focused on lifestyle and health and so on, I'm interested in knowing what it's all about and how people are going to be able to get to it and so on. Well, I came up with the idea wrong because it was, I think I've blown people's minds too much. It was just, you know, for the ones who are coming in at the bottom and being very beginners. When I was given all the information as coaches do, you know, I know this information, I must puke it in your hand and you have to be able to swallow it. And a lot of people couldn't contemplate doing it. So they weren't getting the results that I was prescribing. They were getting some results, but not fully maximizing it so i was like well how do i enable you know for even the beginner and irrespective if you're at the very top everybody like almost everybody likes cooking everybody has cooked a meal or has tried a recipe why don't i join the club and be able to rubber stamp myself into the space of cookbooks and go from there so for me it's been on the cards for probably a lot a few months and just gauging what well, was their interest would people buy it and this is where you know self-sabotage can creep in it's like well is anybody gonna buy it is there gonna be any interest <laughs> i've been flammergasted by i've done it in multiple different guises of you know facebook facebook video facebook posts emails direct messaging people to see if there's any interest and just starting the conversation in terms of if I was to put this out, would you want a copy or would, you know, just get to know somebody, how you doing? I haven't spoken to you in a while. And obviously the most people, if they're well-mannered, they're going to ask, well, how are you? Ultimately, I'm very, very busy trying to promote a book. So, and start that dialogue from that to be able to say to people, are you keen in cooking? Is this something that you'd be interested in? And ultimately still a pre-order phase, but, the interest is there. Would I hit my initial target of 50 cardboard copies sold? Probably. And I'll probably surpass that. And those people that, that come in after 50, I'll, I'll give them a choice. Do you want the ebook or do I need to do after the Christmas holiday? Do either a second version or do I do another batch for the ones that weren't able to get a copy the first time round? And the content is what? Well, it breaks it down in terms of macronutrients, so be it, you know, how many carbs, how many fats, how many proteins are in that specific meal, how many calories, which a lot of recipe books allude to. We've got one who's very big in the UK, but it doesn't actually equate for calories. So if people were to, you know, for argument's sake, Slimming World or Weight Watchers and say, you know, they call it, you know, sinful stuff. They say, you can't have this. Why not? Because you can have too much of a good thing as well and still put weight on. So but people will be able to distinguish between, you know, what's 100 grams of carrots versus 100 grams of chocolate. And you kind of say, well, if you break it down underneath that, obviously the carrot is better. But then it's, you've got all the information and it ties it into a nice bow and kind of, where well, you go. And I think for most, I've tailored it for vegans, vegetarians, people that like the caveman diet, paleo, low carb, which is census keto, all the ones that need high protein diets. So I think I've covered pretty much all bases. I've not covered every single one because it'd be pretty difficult for a book to be able to do that. But I've taken feedback from people. If the demand is there, 
I will create it. And where will people be able to order it or where can they order it? If you message me, which obviously you will put my details in the description, yes. message me and say you want a copy and I'll get you on added to the list. Okay, and we'll have all that in the show notes, which probably brings us to the, the other thing. I mean, the, you're doing so many other things. Finally, how do people get in touch with you about anything, whether it be the book, training, some question about mindset, uh, some other kinds of guidance, what things do you offer, and so on. How do people get to you? Just reach out. I think social media is your best friend when it comes to this, be it Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, email. I'll do my best to respond as soon as possible. There is a time difference, but I can vouch for the fact that you respond pretty quickly. You know, if I send something to you and it's nighttime there, I'll, I'll usually hear from you by the time I get up. So uh, I know that, you know, you are responsive. And just so, you know, you mentioned all the social media areas, is it, is it under James Roberts or? It's for all four of them is James O. Roberts 11. Always interesting. You're always inspirational. You're always doing new things. I hadn't known about the recipe book. I kept that a secret for a while because I've had a few people who I went to school with. You've kept that up your, uh, close to your chest for a while. So they were a bit surprised. I see people say, oh, I didn't know you had 100 recipes capable of that. You could take that as you will in terms of negatively or positive. I took it as, okay, I'll take it as a positive and we'll run with it. Well, I can't say that I'm totally surprised because it fits in with so much of what you do, but it's something you hadn't done before. And again, really appreciate your making a return visit to our podcast. Looking forward to the book when it comes out. And I know that many of our listeners will be interested in some of the other things you do as well. Much gratitude that we had James Roberts on our program for a second time in a little more than a year. It's always great hearing what he has to say, and he's always got new things to say. And obviously, if you like the podcast, we hope you'll continue. Subscribe, download, rate, review, and so on. This has been Dr. Ron Kaiser with the Rejuvenating with Dr. Ron Kaiser podcast. We hope that you'll visit the mental health gym to find out more about positive psychology, goal-achieving psychology, rejuvenating wellness, and lots of other things. And if you haven't picked up the book, Rejuvenating, The Art and Science of Growing Older with Enthusiasm, I hope you'll get it in one of its forms available on Amazon. And we hope that you will be listening in next time when we'll have another interesting guest like James to promote enthusiasm, wellness, and living to be the best version of yourself wherever you are in the lifespan. Thanks again, James, and now we're going to sign off.